want us to look tonight at a question that often runs through our minds, especially in an odd year as 2020, a very peculiar year, certainly, that we've seen in our lifetime. But the question is this, how can we lead others to the gospel this Christmas season? This Christmas season looks different. How can we open the door, open the conversation to lead others to the knowledge of Christ? I want us to see tonight uh, some things in which the Holy Spirit has taught my heart from the book of Mark. Mark chapter 12, if you would please. And we're just going to, uh, again, we're going to do things a little different tonight. Uh, a couple different things here this evening. But I want us to just read scripture this evening. I'm going to teach and instruct and give some clarity uh, in it. And we will allow the word of God to simply teach us this evening. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 12, look at verse number 28. The Bible says, And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceived that he had answered them well. Let's stop there for just a moment. Let me give a little bit of context here in, our, uh, in Mark chapter 12. Jesus here is being confronted by two groups of, of people, one of which is the Pharisees, and the other are the Sadducees. There was little difference between the two as far as motives and as far as logistics doctrine. There were some differences. The Sadducees do not believe in a resurrection. The Pharisees do. And so there were some doctrinal differences, but overall the false doctrine that they were practicing um, truly motivated them to do similar things as far as religiosity is concerned or a system of works that they use to try to merit or to earn their favor with God. And the Bible tells us as these two groups were speaking with Christ and trying to find some faults, find some error, find some wrong doctrine in Christ, the Bible says there was a scribe that came. Now, I don't know if the scribe knew of the uh, meeting that was going to take place as a scribe, he would have worked closely with the Pharisees and the Sadducees because that was his job. His job was to copy manuscripts. Uh, that was his primary function. As a scribe, he would teach and interpret the Torah and other Jewish literature, so he would have helped teach and even, uh, 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 and even give uh, dissertations, if we could say it that way, to both the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, in portions of Scripture. He, uh, he very well may have worked around the temple or the royal court. He may have even worked in administrative duties in a political sense or as an advisor or diplomat. He may even have had some experience with some of the ancient sciences, which what a scribe would often have. He may have functioned as a wise sage or an elder or a judge or even maybe was a very member of the Sanhedrin, which both the Pharisees and the Sadducees would have had parts in. But he, his livelihood truly came from his writing. He was one that would have been approached for writing letters and documents for the kingdom politically even businesses or even private households 
things that needed to be, of course, penned down and sent across as letters. His livelihood was about what he could not only read, but also write. And he was one that would copy scriptures. And I don't know if maybe he had heard about the Pharisees. I'm going to use a little uh, uh, conjecture here just to give some personal personality behind uh, what we're reading here this evening. And maybe he had heard about it, and maybe he was like many Baptists are and was a little late. Uh, it's amazing, uh, the Baptist spirit of coming in at 1059, right before the service, or at 1130, uh, about halfway through. I remember there was a family that I enjoyed pastoring in London, that was there usually about the time in which the closing prayer uh, happened. And uh, so how, whatever kind of Baptist you are, I hope you're an early Baptist, uh, but if you're a late Baptist, maybe you fit in with the scribe here tonight. But the, the Bible tells us that he came. He saw the meeting and he came. He saw what was going on and he came to see what was being said. And as he heard what was being stated and as he heard some of the questions from the Pharisees and from the Sadducees alike. And as he heard Jesus, that's who the Bible says, and he, Jesus, had answered them well. He, as he heard Jesus wisely and lovingly and gracefully and truthfully help these Pharisees to understand uh, the truth in which the Word of God had stated, he understood that Jesus was speaking and was answering well. He knew the Bible. He had copied it. He had, dict uh, he had penned it and copied it word for word, jot for jot, tittle for tittle. He understood the importance of the Word of God, and he had understood that Jesus was speaking well. He was speaking wisely. He was answering them uh, uh, very, very well. And as he had heard this, these replies and these statements, Notice the Bible says he asked him. So the scribe begins to ask Jesus this question. Which is the first commandment of all? This Pharisee was wanting to cut to the core, to the motives of, what Je of who Jesus is. He wanted to see if Jesus' motives were that in line with Scripture. He was one who knew Scripture. He was one who knew what the Word of God had to say. And he wanted to see what Jesus' motives were and wanted to see them revealed. Look at verse number 29. And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is like, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other greater, there's another commandment greater than these. Jesus here gave purpose. He gave not only his purpose, his purpose was out of love for the Father and love for others. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. The Bible tells us that God's heart was motivated by love to send us a Savior, to send us His Savior, His Son, Jesus Christ. And thank God for that. The purpose in which Jesus was dealing with these Pharisees who were very critical and were rejecting of His words 
was love. He loved these people and he wanted them to know the truth. He wanted them to accept him as Savior. He gives his purpose. But not only does he give his purpose, but he gives our purpose as well. Our purpose is likewise to love the Lord our God. It is our purpose primarily is to love the Lord. And I pray that your heart grows uh, grows more and more in love with Christ. And you choose more uh, each and every single day to love the Lord in a greater way. And then we are to take that love that God gives us through a wonderful relationship with him and to love our neighbor as ourselves. He gives us purpose. Jesus relayed his, and he gives us his purpose as well. But along with that, he gave a confirmation in, this, in, these, uh, in these commandments. He gave confirmation of what he was about and what his purpose was. He, was, he came truly to seek and to save that which was lost. He came lovingly. He came with power, with unction. He came to be the Savior. As a lamb led to a slaughter, he was willing to lay down his life. He gave us his purpose and a confirmation of his heart and purpose. Then we see in verse number 32, look at, look at it with me. And the scribe said unto him, well, master. Do you see that word master? Stop there for just a moment. That's a powerful word right there that the scribe uses. Again, let's think about context of scripture, the scribe. This scribe has had business or has dealings with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's had dealings with others. He's copied and penned the word of God. He is the one who maybe even helped teach some of the Pharisees and some of the Sadducees that were around him. He would have been respected. He would have been one that the Pharisees would have looked to for faithful copies of what the Word of God had to say. And notice how this scribe, who could have put himself as the one in charge, as the one who needed to be revered, as a teacher, instructor. Instead, he looks to Jesus Christ and he says, Master. That word master there is the Greek word didaskalos, which means teacher or instructor. It speaks with a connotation of a little boy or little girl sitting at the feet of a teacher looking up and saying, teach me. Hanging on every word, looking for every bit of truth. This scribe who had dealt with these who are questioning Christ, he among the crowd said, you are my master. I am putting myself as a young boy looking at you, Jesus, and I'm hanging on every word. I want to hear everything in which you're saying. I want, I'm, I, I'm, hope, I'm hoping in every word in which you are giving. What a powerful statement right there. Amongst those who in many ways supported his livelihood. He says, thou hast said the truth. 
He looked at Christ and he says, you're my teacher. You're my instructor. You've said the truth. Oh, what a wonderful thing that is. Jesus is true. He is truth. The Bible calls him the Word of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst men. He is truth. And the scribe verified exactly what the Word of God stated, that Jesus Christ is the true God. Thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but He. Look at verse number 33. And to love Him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love him, his neighbor as himself. The scribe is doing a couple things here. First of all, he's confirming that what Jesus said is right. It's true. He is speaking truth as the truth. And Jesus Christ is being confirmed here in his position by the scribe. This would have, in essence, taken the wind out of the sails of the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were trying to get Jesus to state something that was against truth. But this scribe who knew the truth, who knew the word of God, confirmed that Jesus Christ was speaking that which was right. Suddenly the arguments that the Sadducees and the Pharisees had against Christ suddenly were losing their merit. Suddenly the scribe that they had looked to for diligent copies of the word of God suddenly was confirming what Jesus had said. And now he makes a statement. Look at the last part of this verse. This is so, so key. If we're going to understand how Jesus is approaching this scribe here, this is such a key phrase. Notice he says, is more than all all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. What was he speaking of? I believe he was referring to a psalm or a portion of scripture like Psalms chapter 40. In Psalms chapter 40, verse number 6, the Bible says, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required then said i lo i come in the volume of the book it is written of me i delight to do thy will O my god yea thy law is within my heart i believe the scribe suddenly had a moment in which he was putting some things together in his mind as he heard Jesus respond to him and rightly give the first commandment of loving the Lord and loving thy neighbor as thyself as the second. And as he had heard and saw all that Jesus reasoned with the Pharisees and the Sadducees there, things began to stir in his heart and his mind. Jesus was speaking more about a relationship with the Father than about a set of religious experiences or a set 
of religiosity, a set of works in some type of religious system. It began to take root, to plant in the heart of the scribe. The scribe began to realize and understand that it wasn't about a set of rules that one had to follow about some sacrifice. It wasn't the sacrifice that was important. It wasn't the offering that was the focus. It was about the one whom the offering and sacrifice was pointing them to. And it was to the very one in which he had set himself as a schoolboy, as a, as a student looking at the teacher. He was looking and saying, God, I'm, I'm understanding now that it's not about the works that I do, but it's about you. It's about a relationship with God, and I, my heart is beginning to move. My heart is beginning to follow. My heart is beginning to understand that it's greater than just a framework of, of religious systems. The scribe was so close to taking that step and believing in Christ. So close, he, it, was, it was coming, it was, it, it, was, it was as if this unsaved man was just at the edge of a cliff of, or, or, or at the edge of walking into the arms of the Father. And just as he was about, the, about to walk into the arms, he said, I just need a little bit of confirmation here. I'm about to, I, I want to begin this relationship, but I need some confirmation here. And notice what Jesus says in verse number 34. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly. That word discreetly means wisely. It means carefully. In other words, this scribe knew that and began to understand that Jesus was leading him to himself and the saving knowledge of himself. But he answered in such a way that he wouldn't destroy his livelihood among the crowd that was his colleagues, those who could destroy him and his family. These things were in danger at that very moment. Jesus understood how this man spoke. And so what does Jesus do? He said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus knew that he would be, he could be shunned. His livelihood was in jeopardy. And the Bible tells us that Jesus, one, did a couple things with the statement. First of all, he encouraged this man to take the next step. He says, you're so close. My arms are open wide. I want to lovingly welcome you into my family. Would you take that next step? I'm here. I'm waiting. Would you take that step and come to me and put your faith in me? I'm here. I'm waiting. But also it was pointing those Pharisees and those Sadducees to the heart of this scribe, saying he's getting it, it's starting to resonate in his heart. It's starting to, uh, starting to uh, 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 take root in his life. Would you understand that he is so close to heaven? Follow his mindset, and it'll lead you to me. 
He was trying with love and wisdom not only to drive to draw the scribe to himself, but he was trying to draw the Pharisees to himself as well. Jesus loved that scribe. He loved those Pharisees. He loved those Sadducees. He didn't want them to go to hell. We don't know the rest of the story. The Bible tells us after this, no man, uh, or af- uh, no man after that durst ask him any questions. All was silent. What the scribe had said had taken the wind out of their sails, and there was no more that they could ask him. We don't know if that scribe ever trusted in Christ as our Savior. I pray he did. But his decision has been made. There's no changing that now. But Jesus was lovingly encouraging people to come to himself. Over and over again, we see a pattern in Jesus' ministry. He would lovingly lead people to salvation. I think of the woman at the well. A different situation in the scribe. Jesus approached the scribe differently than the woman at the well. And yet he encouraged and he lovingly led them to himself. I think of the disciples. Each of the disciples had their own occupations. Each of the disciples had their own situations. And God lovingly loved them in their own situations and led them to himself. He led those with sicknesses, disease, and broken lives. And all of us have broken lives. He led all those to himself. Jesus lovingly and gracefully led people to himself. He led an example. He gave us a pattern to lovingly and wisely lead people to salvation. The Bible teaches us in Proverbs chapter 11 a similar mindset. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Often I hear this used as a verse about soul winning, and I think there's application that we, can, that we could draw from that. However, the main context of Proverbs chapter 11 and those verses is not speaking of not soul winning, but rather it's winning people to oneself. It's about opening the doors and the conversations and encouraging people to follow the same God in which you are following. The context is that of drawing people to live a life and to trust the one who will give them eternal life and to live a life that will encourage and to bring a tree of life or health and and, uh, truly encouragement to their heart and spirit. And Jesus truly had a heart, had a motive, had 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 a mindset of following and winning people to himself for salvation. There's much wisdom we can gather from this. Wisdom of opening the door, opening the conversation to others in a loving and kind and gentle and gracious manner. The Bible teaches us in Mark chapter 1 
in verse number 6 that the man who preceded the ministry of Jesus Christ, John, John the Baptist was what the Bible calls him. The Bible tells us in verse number 6 in Mark 1, and John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins. He eat locusts and wild honey and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than, than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. John the Baptist led people not to himself but to salvation. Led him, led, they led, he led people to God. He led people to enjoy that relationship with the God of all gods. The answer he knew was not in himself, but it was with the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And the reason why John the Baptist's ministry was so powerfully effective is that he led people to Jesus. He knew he wasn't the answer, but he lovingly and wisely won their hearts and presented them to the Savior, which was his Savior, Jesus. Over and over again in the Word of God, we see men like John the Baptist who lovingly led people to Jesus Christ, who wisely led people to Christ. And as a child of God, God wants our hearts to love Him. He wants me to love Him with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. And with that love that He so wonderfully gives us, He wants us to love our neighbor as thyself. Loving that our neighbor will open the conversations naturally to the gospel. You understand tonight that that man that you may have walked past on the street today has someone who loves them and wants them to know Jesus. That woman maybe that you met at the shop today, has someone who loves them and wants them to know Christ. That teenager, that child, has someone who loves them and wants them to know Christ. Whether that individual that loves them is maybe a parent or a father, Maybe a brother or sister. Maybe, it, maybe they are looking from heaven and imploring that person to trust in Christ. Maybe it's someone tragically who has rejected Christ and from the fires of hell their love cries out, Oh, would you please put your faith and trust in Christ. Maybe it's a saved mother, a saved father, Maybe a saved spouse or a saved child who is pleading for their loved one that we know and interact with maybe even on a daily basis and earnestly desires them to come to Christ for salvation. But we face a challenge today.
We face the challenge in this time of the season in which so often opens conversations naturally as Christmas is uh, focusing upon Christ. Oh, I know the world is trying to interpose their doctrine and their philosophies, but the reason for the season is Christmas, the celebration of Christ. And a lot of t- and this year it's a difficult time, and we may even sit back and struggle and think, how can we? Preach Christ. We're ending lockdown. We're in the highest tier. We're told away to we're told to stay away from everyone. We're discouraged to interact. And on and on it goes. How can I present the gospel if I'm not even supposed to be able to interact with one another? How can I do so? How can I be a minister for the gospel in a situation in which we all are looking and sometimes scratching our heads a little bit thinking, what's the next step? How can I present Christ? Tonight I want to give you some ideas, some conversation starters. I'm going to call them just 25 outreach ideas for Christmas this year. Some of these you might look at and say, I can think of another idea. Wonderful. Maybe you already have some thoughts and plans. Wonderful. It's been such an encouraging thing to watch the church be creative during this time and use different methods to try to help get people the gospel of Christ, whether it's through a social media or whether it's through leaving tracks or whether it's through uh, uh, different forms of trying to reach out to people. It's been a blessing and encouragement and it's just been wonderful to see the creativity you have displayed. May I encourage you to maybe take some of these ideas and to be creative with those and to use these as fuel in essence to further the fans of idea of the fires of ideas in your heart and mind but let me give you just a couple of some ideas here 25 ideas i'm not going to spend much time on any of these i just want to pretty much read them to you tonight and give you an awesome ideas on how we may be able to have some conversation openers even in a time in which it's a peculiar time to witness about Christ at Christmas. The first one I want to give you tonight is a simple one. Go ahead and go to the next. Oh, he's already there. He's beating. He knows my mind already. Let someone in the queue in front of you. We all have queues in front of the shops, do we not? You know that simple act of love? It's a, we might look at it as a small thing, but you have no idea what the conversation might develop just from that gentle expression. You say, well, I'm, I'm in a hurry. It's an idea. Consider it. Next, thank a teacher with a note or a gift. Teachers are struggling this year. They're teaching in a peculiar time. They weren't exactly trained for this in university. 
this is some new territory for them. It's been a difficult year. A note from you or from your children. Just thanking them. Thank you for that. Those kind gestures, open conversations. A small gift, something in which just to say thank you for being faithful. Next, buy tea or coffee for the person behind you. This is something that is unexpected. It's a blessing. Again, it's just a conversation starter. It's a time in which it might be an open door. They might just simply take it and might not even say anything, but their heart will be impacted, I guarantee you. God says give, and God blesses that. Next, donate clothes and or toys. You could donate to charities. You could even donate to maybe someone in need in your community. Number next, leave a gift or note for the postman. My wife has been doing something like this for the last couple of years at our current home and has been giving the postman a, uh, just maybe some Christmas cookies or maybe some treats or something that we have made, some baked goods and uh, baked treats, and it's allowed the uh, postman just to enjoy for just a few moments. And uh, it's been a blessing, encouragement, and it's amazing that our post always gets to us. There's a reason for that. If you need to use a little bit of a treat, if you're having problems with this, this might be an idea to try. But a little note or just a little gift, you could tape it to the front of your door. Again, just something to do so. You could attach tracks with all of these things. You could simply give someone a copy of the gospel afterwards. It opens opportunities. Next, surprise someone with flowers. There's delivery services. Go to, go, to, go to a shop and order a small bouquet of flowers and have them delivered to someone. Put them on their doorstep. Knock and run away and just watch them open and just be surprised that they have a bouquet of flowers there waiting for them. Next, write a handwritten note to someone. We don't see a lot of handwritten things today. Everything's done digitally. Everything is done through email or text. A handwritten note means something. It still does. A handwritten note on a Christmas card, just letting them know you're praying for them. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a loved one that you've been witnessing to for years. And just that note would be an encouragement and help to them. Next, bring some Christmas treats for your colleagues at work. Maybe it's a tin of celebration sweets or maybe it's uh, maybe some, uh, some, uh, some biscuits or cookies that you have made uh, uh, for your family and you're bringing maybe a, just a small dish or something for your colleagues at work. Those type of things open the doors. They open conversations and helps open opportunities for us to present the gospel of Christ. Never know what a kind gesture may do. Next, leave a bag of shopping on a doorstep of someone in need. 
Maybe you've heard of someone in your neighborhood that is struggling and just a bag of shopping. I'm not talking about hundreds of pounds worth of stuff, but it could be even something, uh, 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 just a, a small bag of some essential things, flour, eggs, milk, those type of things that every family would use, and that could be a help and a blessing to them. Little has begun something where you have a little card that you can scan on an app and you can earn credit and maybe take that credit that it gives you or that 10 pounds or that two pounds or whatever and maybe use that and use that as a purchase. I know some of us are struggling financially and some of us are looking to ends meet and we're trying to be creative in our own lives. This might be a creative way to give at this time of the year and to be a blessing and opening opportunity uh, to be a help and an encouragement to someone. Next, bake some cookies or again Christmas goodies for your neighbors. And put them on a doorstep or maybe just take them, take them and knock on their door and greet them and wish them a Merry Christmas and joy giving to your neighbors. Next, call someone who is lonely. This is so powerful. Just a phone call to someone who is maybe alone or maybe someone who has family, but they're just, they're discouraged right now. It's an easy time to do so, especially with the extra restrictions put on. Maybe it's a mother that earnestly wants to be with their family, but their family's not able to travel this year. Maybe it's a family being separated because of extenuating circumstances. Maybe it's a widow or a widower. Call someone who's lonely. Let them know you're thinking about them. Next, say hello to three people you don't know. I know you have to say it a little louder with the mask, but it's a wonderful thing to be a greeting and to give to spread some joy number next give someone a gift card for a shop they are going into while you're at asda or maybe at mcdonald's or costa or whatever just a small gift card maybe for just a couple of pounds and as someone is going into that very shop in which you just came out of give them that gift card put a track or something with it if you'd like Give them that and say, here's an opportunity, and here's something, I just want to give this to you, be a blessing to you to purchase maybe just a couple, uh, uh, some things in which you would like to uh, partake in or getting there at the shop. Number next, notice an employee who is doing a good job and tell their manager. You notice someone at the shops who are doing above and beyond, and so many are working and serving and trying to uh, even just make it permissible to continue working at their place of employment this year you notice someone who's doing a good job and look go find their manager and compliment that worker compliment the job that they're doing the help that they've given you it's a blessing and encouragement to them number next Take a gift to the police station or fire brigade. 
Again, maybe a gift of just some Christmas, uh, Christmas treats. Maybe just some simply, uh, maybe a gift card or that uh, some, could, some could use or a note, simply a Christmas card with an expression of thanks and of gratitude for the service that they so wonderfully give. Number next, pay for the petrol for someone nearby. Maybe you're at a, or you're at a petrol station and as you're putting petrol into your car, someone pulls up and you maybe wait just for, they're about to leave or about to go pay and you go and you pay for their petrol as you pay for theirs. Be a blessing and a help. Next, thank a NHS or a care worker. People who have served and who have put themselves in harm's way this year, thank them. If you're at a doctor's appointment, send a card to the office or bring a card for those in the, uh, that work in the office there. Thank those who are working and serving and meeting the needs of those. Thank those who are helping those who can't get out and are going into homes and helping and serving others. Thank them and let them know that you appreciate their service and their hospitality, their ministry that they give, not only to you, but to others and our loved ones. Next, volunteer your time with the charity. Next, share your experience at Scummersdale Baptist Church on social media. Again, we're trying to be a blessing and a help. Share that in which they could hear the gospel. Number next, send a card, a note, or a gift to a widow or widower. Let's not forget the widows and the widowers. Christmas is a difficult time. It's hard knowing that they won't be there with their husband or their wife. They were together for so many years and God saw fit to take them on. It's a lonely time. That thoughtfulness of reaching out means so, so much. Next, freely offer your skills to someone who needs them. Maybe you're good at working in some area and doing a particular thing, and maybe you hear someone is in needing of that, and you could freely offer your skills, freely offer your help to someone who needs them. Next, Rake some leaves or do some gardening for a neighbor. Some people are struggling with that very thing. Maybe they normally have someone come and help them. Maybe they don't have the tools. Maybe you have the tools. If God opens the door there, it might be an opportunity. Continuing on, let's tell the person at the till that you appreciate their work in this holiday season. Tell them, tell the one that's helping with your shopping and such that you're thankful that they've been helping and that you appreciate their work and what they are doing at the busy time of the year in an unusual year. 
Number next, designate some extra Christmas funds to a missionary. What a blessing it would be to give and to help be uh, to be a help to our missionaries. Maybe the Holy Spirit would lead one of our missionaries upon your heart, and God would have you to designate some funds to go to them for Christmas this year. Oh, that would be a blessing and a help. And lastly, send a Christmas card to a church member you don't know very well. Maybe there's a church member that you've been praying for, maybe one you haven't seen in a while, and this year it's that, that's been frequent. Is it send a card to them. Let them know that you are thinking and praying for them and that you want to fellowship and to be an encouragement with them once again. Again, these are 25 ideas. There's so many more that you could do. May I encourage you to use some of these ideas as creative fuel. Fan the flames of your creativity, and you might have 25 other things that you want to do. May I encourage you to take some of these things. Maybe you would like to do one a day. That would be a blessing. Maybe you want to take a few and do each, uh, uh, some each week uh, up leading up to Christmas or however the Holy Spirit leads upon your heart. But I encourage you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit how you can give this Christmas season. And these things open conversations. They open opportunities to present what the reason for Christmas is all about, about Jesus Christ. These things, some of those things we look at and say, but those are small things. No one's going to think about those things. We have no idea how God is going to prepare their hearts. Sometimes I hear of stories about those who have trusted in Christ and led them to be open to the gospel was a small gesture like this because God allowed their life to come into a situation where that small, seemingly small gesture to us was a open opportunity a huge opportunity for them it was something that was a blessing that was that meant more to them than what we could possibly fathom and it opened the opportunity to present christ to wisely and lovingly lead them to christ the bible tells us in luke chapter 6 verse number 38 give and it shall be given unto you you know, often when we read this verse, we think immediately of missions. And oh, how powerful truth it is in missions. But, you know, the context here is just simply giving. It's simply being a blessing. God wants us as children of God to be conduits in which he can give through. He wants us to be the means in which he can be a blessing to others and be a help to others. He wants us to be the givers, not only in missions, but in life, to be freely and open in giving and being a help and a blessing to others. The Bible tells us, and when we give, notice what it says, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. God says when you give, God says you will receive a blessing. It will be an encouragement to you. And oh, my friends, how true that is. There are times where when one gives a small thing, and it seems to be a small thing, and it's such a blessing, how they... In 
how they uh, react and how they are, uh, express their gratitude, it overwhelms your heart and it causes your heart just to blossom with gratitude and thankfulness of what God has enabled you to be a part of. You didn't think it was a big thing. You thought it was a small issue. However, because of that one kind generosity, that one moment of giving, God allowed your spirit to be full and running over with a blessing because you were used by the Holy Spirit of God to be a blessing to others. God tells us to give, give. Oh, how wonderful it is to give. The Bible teaches us in Acts chapter 20, and I'm done. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. God has given us his love. Oh, how much he loves us. He loves us greatly. I want to be a blessing this Christmas season to give that love to our neighbor. To demonstrate that love and to tell others of our loving father and how they too can have that loving father a relationship through Christ. Open a conversation this year by giving. I'm being a help. A phone call doesn't cost anything or very little. A note costs next to nothing. A kind word is just a moment of time. God uses those things to be a help, to open the conversation to Christ. And as Christians, we ought to open that door wide. I want to encourage you tonight to think outside the box a little bit and allow the Holy Spirit of God to use a kind gesture kind heart motivated by the love of God to reach people with the good news of Christ I pray that we'll all have a Merry Christmas because of the love that we've been able to enjoy spreading this wonderful season